This morning's reading comes from Luke chapter 2, verses 25 to 35. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your sermon in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. Light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory to your people Israel. And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, This child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be opposed so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. This is the word of God for the people of God. Amen. Thanks be to God this morning. Good morning, Ebenezer Church. It is so good to see you. I said good evening or good morning. I have no clue what I said. It is the week after Christmas. So good morning. Good morning again to um, all of our families, our friends, everybody that's joining us. If you're joining us for the first time, we are super excited to have you with us as well. My name is Donovan Archie, one of the pastors here, and I tell you every time I get an opportunity to share a message uh, that's been placed in my heart, uh, I always pray that it goes to a special place in your heart and that whatever God is doing in your life, uh, that it begins to shape you and deeply form you. So I'm super excited to be here. I pray that you all have a blessed Christmas week. How many of y'all had a blessed Christmas day and week by show of hands? Y'all are so blessed. Amen. We thank God for that. Let's thank God for such a blessed week. We're so grateful for that. I pray that you all had a great time, a blessed time with your families, with your friends, those you love and those who love you. Um, And if you didn't know that God loves you, so you experience that at least. I'll have you to know that we have been in a sermon series this entire Advent season. So for the last four to five weeks, we've been in a sermon series entitled Christmas Playlist. We've been uncovering the deep meaning behind and within some of the greatest hits and Christmas songs and hymns and carols of the Christmas season. Our goal, the pastoral staff and I and the worship team, was to help us as a community develop more interest in and understanding of each of the Christmas songs that we sing, spend time with, and that we love. The exciting part, the exciting part about this sermon series as we've sang a lot of these Christmas songs, as we have spent time peeling back the surfaces, is that as we peel back the surfaces to each of the songs that we lift up for theological review or to deepen our understanding in or of, we begin to listen closely to something that is resonating more deeply in each of the tunes, the sounds, and the words. And that is a precious story that's being told within the heart of the song. For me and for all of us, it is the story of God's love and the story of God's plan for each and every one of us. It's been, it's been an exciting ride. 
We started this sermon series with uh, track one. If you got an iPod or you've got your Spotify playlist, we hit play and we began with O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, where we explored the hope that we find in God coming to earth and being present with us through the person of Jesus Christ. We kept on going, we hit track two, and we went on to O Come, All Ye Faithful, where we explored how we are all called as the body of believers, as the body of Christ, to come together to celebrate what God does in Jesus Christ for the world and through his birth. We kept going. And then week three, we went to joy to the world, where we explored God's wondrous love and how we can look for signs of God's love and experience God's love as he sends Christ, his living presence, to be here with us right now. And then week four, we continued on the playlist. Perhaps you downloaded some of these songs. We explored Silent Night. We even sang Silent Night on Christmas Eve. And through it, we explored how sometimes things don't always go as anticipated, but yet God still shows up and plans to be with us, irons out the plans and still show us how God can bring a way forward for us in our lives. And now we're at week five. We're closing the CD case. We're putting back the 45. We are putting up our iPads. We're closing the playlist out with Go Tell It on the Mountain. And this week, we uncover some of the deep truths that's within this wondrous hymn. We explore and we learn together the greatest story ever told and how we too are invited to accept this gift of the story that we've been given and then go out into all of the world to tell that story. Amen. So let us pray and uncover together. God, we thank you so much for your presence in this place today your presence online, your presence wherever we are. God, we are so grateful that we have had the opportunity to journey with you, uncovering some of the truths of these songs that we sing in our hearts, that we have in our pockets and at home on our shelves. But these songs that resonate deeply with what we believe. So God, as we walk away from the sermon series today, God, may you impart to us these deep truths so that we live out our lives with them. God, as we uncover, go tell it on the mountain today, doing the human heart what only you could do for each of us today. God, we love you and we thank you so much. In Christ's name, amen. Now, whether you participate in gift giving or not, this is and has been the season of gift giving. This week, I found myself looking up some of the greatest and most and, and uh, fat, most fabulous gifts given during the Christmas season. And I stumbled upon, as I was reading and doing some research, an article that said this. The headline was, younger generations are foregoing tangible gifts and are moving to gifts that keep on giving or gifts that show up in the form of experiences and moments. So I thought to myself, what a great idea. I think I'm a part of that generation. The generation that is moving away from tangible items that can be stored in closets or put away for a later time or that we put away in a place where we remember them no more for perhaps the rest of the year. And we lean more into this idea of creating experiences where we will experience something deep and more meaningful in our heart, something that we could carry with us even throughout the rest of our lives, the gift that keeps on giving. 
So I decided to use my favorite research tool this week. I called on Alexa. Alexa, will you research for me the top gifts that keep on giving in the holiday season? Sure, she said. (laughs) And she came up with the top five gifts that Americans responded to when they consider the gifts that keep on giving in our society today. Coming in at number five is, you guessed it, rechargeable batteries. (laughs) How many people received rechargeable batteries for Christmas? No? Okay. Coming in at number four, a Costco membership. Yeah, see, yeah, Costco membership in the back. Sam's maybe, perhaps. This is not an advertisement. (laughs) Coming in at number three, a family recipe or a recipe that someone wants for you to have. How many people received a family recipe? Yeah, so there are some truths within this article. All right, Alexa also gave us charitable donations. If somebody made a gift of a charitable donation on your behalf, that's a gift that keeps on giving. How many people received that gift? All right, awesome, fantastic. Or what about this? My Perhaps my favorite, an experience or a vacation, like traveling, going on a cruise, or to perhaps your family's favorite place. How many people receive that as a gift? Yeah, those are good gifts. Y'all are so blessed. (laughs) The gift that keeps on giving. Whether you agree with some of these gifts or not, uh, there's nothing like being given something that continues to grow with you and stay with you as the year goes on. The gift that keeps on giving is this idea of having joy with you and in you when you think about the experience that you had um, as you went on that trip or as you recharge those batteries or every time you show up to Costco. It continues to come back to you. It stays with you. You remember the person, their deeds and their acts of love for you. The gift that keeps on giving brings you back to this place where you experience ongoing joy and thankfulness for the gift that was given to you. I like that idea. And I think it's something that we'll adopt for our family for many years to come. It's kind of that gift that makes a lasting impact on our lives. And I hope for you, you can recount or think of some of those things in your life that makes a lasting impact. And if it wasn't given to you during the Christmas season, then perhaps at some point of the year, you may experience a gift that keeps on giving to you or gives back to you. But oddly enough, today, the song Go Tell It on the Mountain, a hymn, a carol, is similar to what I think is a gift that continues to give on and on and on again. Go Tell It on the Mountain has within it a story, a storyline that tells the story of how Jesus comes to this earth, how the story of Jesus coming to this earth is a gift to the world, is a gift to humanity, and that is an incredible gift that has a lasting impact. And how the gift of Jesus Christ is not only a gift that has a lasting impact, but it continues to give throughout generations. That's the gift that keeps on giving. So the hymn, the carol, the song continues. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. 
The song Go Tell It on the Mountain began as an African-American spiritual song published in 1901 by John Wesley Works Jr. Not our John Wesley in the United Methodist Church, a different one. John Wesley Works Jr., a beloved Latin and Greek professor who was also a beloved choir director in his in his community in Nashville, Tennessee. It was first published featuring a gospel choir from from the Fisk Jubilee Singers, who's a part of the well-known historically black college Fisk University. They published this song, Go Tell It on the Mountain, as written in the African-American tradition, a song of jubilation, a song of victory, a song of pride, a song of love, a song of the gift of Christ coming to the heart of each and every individual. Other than this song, Go Tell It on the Mountain, being one of our Christmas favorites during the Christmas tide season, it also has with it and carries within it a very fascinating history as well. The song, in fact, was never meant to be published. Did you know that? The writers of this song never intended to actually publish this song in a hymn book, in a spiritual book, or any book of that sort. The purpose for the song was for the story contained within the song to be to remain in oral traditions and within held within communities, meaning that each community of faith, particularly the story within the African-American faith community, would hold the story of how Jesus is the gift to their community, but then how Jesus also becomes the gift to all communities in the world. And that by having the story of going and telling it on the mountain, we will continue to tell the story of Jesus through song. That this story doesn't belong to a particular publisher or group, but it belongs to the people, the body of believers. It belongs to the people who hold on to the story and are able to tell the story of Jesus Christ. It is believed that this song and this hymn was created to be only a part of oral tradition within the African-American community and faith tradition. It was meant to go throughout generations, seeding itself within families and churches and communities so that it has a lasting impact on the people. It's like a recipe or a quilt or a song that you're giving, that you're given during the Christmas season, a gift that continues to live with you. The story that continues to live with you as you too live life. The idea is that generations of African-American families dating back to the 1700s would sing the spiritual go tell it on the mountain as a way of carrying with themselves God's story of hope and salvation. And to sing this song is to sing the story of Jesus and to sing the song and to sing the song and know the and to tell the story of Jesus is to know deeply in one's heart the story of Jesus you carry it with you it's a story that you can tell over and over again it's a story that you can exchange with your fellow fellow brother and sister the idea and the focus behind the song is deeply rooted in the scripture that was lifted up for us today Luke 2 And it highlights the fact that everybody is going around telling about the gift that God gave to the world, Jesus. 
Everybody in Luke 2 is going around telling somebody about what is going on, what has just happened, the gift that God has just given to the world, the mighty acts of God taking place with us. There's one more interesting thing about this particular hymn, carol, and song, but I'll share that with you much later. But for now, the song drops us off directly in Luke 2, 8 and 20. It takes place where the angels are sharing this exciting news about what just happened in Bethlehem. You see, the angels go and tell the shepherds, these very lowly shepherds, that Jesus Christ is now born in a manger in Bethlehem, and you can go and find him. And in pure and utter amazement, the shepherds go excited to tell the story about how Jesus is also born after first finding out where he is. First, the angels tell the shepherds, and then the shepherds go and tell people, and then people tell more people that Jesus has come. And then more people tell more people, tell more people that Jesus Christ is born in Bethlehem. And the number of people that knew about Jesus being born in Bethlehem became great. It was great. You see, hearing about what had taken place in Bethlehem had been a great thing for so many people. Because it was the expectation that God was sending a redeemer. God was sending a hope. God was sending the Prince of Peace, a Savior, to the world. And for them, that was good news. But for some, it was brand new news. It was news that they perhaps had not heard before, but was happy to hear or was interested in what it meant to them. Or for one particular man, it meant everything. Today in the scripture that was read for us, Luke 2 verses 25 through 35, we see the life of a man named Simeon. This is a man who lived in Jerusalem. Again, his name is, was Simeon. And he was a man who lived out his faith diligently. He sought the face of God each and every day. He held true to his beliefs and his convictions. And the man was full of the Holy Spirit, the scriptures say. Well, one day as Jesus is being born, the Holy Spirit leads him to go to the temple where Jesus and his young fa- and his mom and dad is headed. Mary and Joseph are taking Jesus there to help fulfill the religious customs and ceremonies of a newborn male. That's of being circumcised and fulfilling certain consecration duties, purification laws, and offering sacrifices. They're going to do their due diligence. And meanwhile, Simon gets word from the Holy Spirit to go and meet young Mary and Joseph and Jesus there in the temple. Well, he does. And uh, upon seeing Jesus, Mary and Joseph, in excitement, he reaches out for Jesus, takes Jesus into his own arms. Could you imagine someone taking your brand new child straight out of your arms at church (laughs) by a stranger, perhaps? It's interesting what happens here. This stranger to young Mary and Joseph uh, has their son, their baby boy, Jesus, taken from their arms. And immediately Simeon, the man who was led by the Holy Spirit to go to the temple, is filled with excitement. He's filled with excitement because God told him to follow through on the commands of not only going to the temple, but to present Jesus in the temple because he is the savior of the world, the one who is bringing comfort and solace to the world. God had revealed to Simon 
that Simon, he would not die until he has seen this moment unfold in human history. That he will continue to live out his life until Jesus comes. And for Simon, this means everything. The story that he hears about Jesus coming means everything to his life because it is a sign of the word that he received from God. And it's a, and it's living proof for him that God is faithful to God's people, that God has truly been faithful to him, that he would live out the rest of his life until the Savior comes. That not only is God faithful, but God has also followed through on God's promise in sending a Savior. And not only is God faithful and follows through well, but God also knows the plan for Jesus in the world to help redeem humanity, to help give and show us love, to help bring about new life in our world. For Simeon, this means absolutely everything as it is a sign to him. And he's excited as he's holding Jesus. Lastly, to him, it is a sign that the kingdom of God will expand throughout generations. That what God does with this baby boy that he is holding will impact generations upon generations upon generations upon generations. And that, my friend, is a gift that keeps on giving. Jesus is the gift to generations to come. And Simeon knows that and he's excited about it. He's excited about it and he sings a song of praise for it. Because he knows that the people who will experience and be impacted by Jesus will impact the entire world. That God's kingdom will expand not only to the people of Israel, but will expand to the Gentiles as well. That their hearts and their minds too will be open to what God is doing. And this too will go on in generations to the early church fathers who led the church and faithfully sought the face of God. To John Wesley Wirtz who wrote the song, Go Tell It on the Mountain, the revelation of Jesus would be given to him. And that many generations even after John Wesley Wirtz's writing of the hymn, that the revelation of who Jesus is and what Jesus does would also be given to the members of Ebenezer Church. To the people in Embry Mill or Hampton Oaks or wherever it is that you live in Stafford County. That we're a part of the inherited generations who receive Jesus as the gift that keeps on giving. And are impacted by what Jesus does in us and with us. You see, Simeon had waited on Jesus. The scripture doesn't give us a clue as to how long he waited. But I would imagine that he waited quite some time. Doesn't give us some time, but the scripture tell us that he waited until the end of his life to receive Jesus. And Jesus finally comes. See, there are people too in our world who need Jesus. And I love pointing back to what the story, I love pointing back to what the song, Go Tell It on the Mountain, encourages us and tells us. It tells us to tell the story. It invites us into a practice of storytelling about the faith that we live out, about what Jesus does in our life and the difference he makes in our lives. You see, the essence of the hymn, the essence of the carol, go tell it on the mountain. The whole fabric of why it was knitted together was so that people, was so that people, as you sang the song, people would hear the story of the song that Jesus Christ makes the difference. And that is good news. 
And just like Simeon, as he waited to hear about Jesus his entire life, there are many of us who are waiting for Jesus. There are many people in our world, in our county, in our backyard, perhaps our neighbors who are waiting too on Jesus to hear a message from Jesus, to be impacted by the gift that is Jesus. And that's where we come in. That's why we're told in the hymn, in the song, in the carol to go and tell it on the mountain. Go and tell about who Jesus is and what Jesus does because people are out there waiting, just like Simeon. Somebody in our world is waiting for hope. They're waiting in anticipation for to, to be consoled in their spirit and in their mind and in their soul. There are people out in the world who have answers to deep questions. There are people in our world and perhaps in our church and in our community who are spiritually poor, who are on or in the margins of society, who are waiting to be seen, who are waiting to be heard. There are people who are struggling to forgive, perhaps struggling to accept, struggling with habits, struggling with things in their lives and they're needing Jesus. They're waiting on Jesus. There are people who are waiting for the healing touch that Jesus gives us. There are people waiting on Jesus. There are people waiting to hear the good news of what Jesus does in our lives, just as Simeon was waiting and Israel was waiting. You see, for they knew it and the hymn writer knew it too, that when we tell the story, the story lives on. So we carry the story. You carry the story as it passes from generation to generation. I love what the community uh, who developed this song, I love what they did. I love the idea behind why it was written and how they crafted it and the purpose behind it. That they intended for the song never to be published in a book or for a publisher to own it, but for the people to carry it. I love that idea. That we carry the story with us because we have our own story of who Jesus is and how Jesus impacts our lives. And we are to tell that on a mountain about the great things that God does in our lives, how God has lifted our heads, how God has given us power, how God has helped us when we were broken, how God helps us to seek out the loss, to mend broken relationships, to restore communities but more importantly, how God helps us to know God's self. This is good news. You see, when Jesus breaks into our world, when he comes into our world, this is great news. And we are encouraged to tell this good news. So why do we tell it? Why do we tell this good news? Why should we tell the good news of Jesus being in our world, active and present? I'll share with you two things and you can have a happy new year. Two things. We should tell the story on the mountain or wherever we go, whatever opportunity we have, whoever we come in contact with, because Jesus serves as the launch pad for a new beginning. In Luke 2, Simeon is waiting for this brand new hope of new life, this new life that is found in Jesus. And he knows that the Savior, the baby Jesus, is the launch pad that will bring about an entirely different world. For Israel. But it's the same reality for us as well. 
that in our lives present today, Jesus brings about a brand new beginning, a brand new reality for our world. As we look forward to the second coming of Jesus, this is the perfect time to invite new beginnings into our lives. And in fact, today is the perfect day to invite that deep sense of new beginning into our lives. It's the last day of the year. And only to, and and just tomorrow will be 2024. It'll be a brand new beginning for us. Just as Pastor Jeff said, it's a time to reflect on our lives and to invite something new into our lives. Perhaps to strengthen our faith, to invite Jesus in as the gift that keeps on giving. And then when we get excited about what Jesus does in our life, we exchange the story of how Jesus makes the difference. You see, that's how you give a gift that goes throughout generations. But it's first recognizing that Jesus prompts in our world and in our lives the dynamic of new beginning. So let's start now. And then secondly, we tell the story not only because does Jesus serve as a launch pad for new beginnings in our lives, but Jesus also changes our world. You have probably heard that said many, 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 many times. And that is a very large construct. I know it's a very broad statement, but it couldn't be more true. Jesus really does change our world and it starts with us. So we go tell it. I love how in the Gospel of John, he introduces Jesus. Listen to these words. In John 1, he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all three, and all things were made through him. And without him, not a thing was made. But in him, life is made. And life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. You see, this is a brand new world when Jesus comes. As John introduces Jesus into our world, he says that Jesus brings us light. Don't you need light? I know that I do. There are places in my life where I need a little bit more light, which means I need a little bit more Jesus. So I invite Jesus into that. See, Jesus can change my world. And when I'm changed and I enter into a relationship with others, we change, our community gets better, and our world gets better. You see, it starts with us. Jesus really does, he really does change the world. The hope that he brings is the hope that more people will experience transformed lives and hearts. That the hope that he brings is how we interact and develop relationships with one another, how our church is led, how our missions are informed, how we contribute on our jobs and in society. Jesus is able to help us change that and make a difference. Jesus gives us hope. Jesus also teaches us this very important thing, patience, long-suffering, and forgiveness. The three key elements that is deeply rooted in Christian love. We have Christian love. Our relationships and everything else following is different. So it is the truth. 
that Jesus is the launch pad for a new beginning, and that Jesus can change our world. The truth is, is we can't do this life without Jesus, and I hope that you don't. Which is why we're encouraged by the carol writer, go and tell it on the mountain. So go and tell it. There are people who are waiting to hear the story just like Simeon. And when we show up and we tell our story, and when you tell the story of Jesus, people are never the same. Our world is never the same. Amen.